Welcome to the Performance Mindset Podcast, and I'm your host, Amy Calangrino, CEO of Beyond Commercial. After a decade of providing expert commercial real estate advice and consultation to the business owners and investors I serve, I wanted to share some of the most inspiring and influential leaders I've met along the way. The goal of this podcast is to share valuable insights from these impactful individuals, as well as business and commercial real estate trends. If you want to grow, you're tuning into the right show. Today, I'm excited to have Tyler Gibson as a guest on the show. Tyler is currently a real estate team leader dedicated to helping others find success and financial freedom. Welcome to the show, Tyler. Thanks. Glad to be here. Tyler, you are a well-respected realtor and real estate team leader here in the Orlando market. Where did your career first begin and why did you decide to pursue real estate? Yeah, so uh, I actually got started in real estate as a residential real estate investor. Early on in my career working in corporate America, shortly after my wife and I got married and bought our first home, I came to her with the idea, we should buy a rental. And it was a behavior that I had seen modeled by some family. And so I jumped in knowing very little about what I was doing. But after receiving that first rent check, I decided I needed to make more of this kind of money. And so I set out on a journey to educate myself. And over the process of probably about seven years, we learned a lot about being an investor. Awesome. You know, that's that's invaluable. It's interesting. Uh, I find a lot of real estate agents that they don't necessarily even own their own house, much less invest in real estate. So having that type of breadth of experience can be very helpful in helping those you serve. Yeah, it was, uh, I kind of backed into being a realtor. I, uh, I, I was, I was going to be a new father for the first time. And I recognized that I no longer wanted to trade my time for money as my daughter got older, worse was to get older uh, and be involved in activities. I wanted to have the freedom to choose what things I got to go to and have that choice for myself and not be constrained on somebody else's time. And so really getting a real estate license, it was not necessarily to sell real estate as much as it was to get access to more real estate data that could help me with my own personal investing. And then as I got licensed, uh, I was a part of an online community and put it in there that I had a license and started to have people reach out to me about investing in the central Florida area because I was already very active in the, in the forum as a, as a local investor. And so I started helping people find investments here in the area and just over a two-year time period was able to replace my W-2 income and, and become a full-time realtor and, and now run a small real estate, uh, residential real estate team here in Central Florida, specializing in working with out-of-state investors looking for long-term buy and hold rentals and Disney short-term rentals. That's awesome. We didn't get to talk about this. You know, we, we chatted a little bit before we started the podcast, but that's how I had really gotten into commercial real estate is I needed support for my family. And so I had a real estate license and started to kind of handle our own things because I found that there wasn't like that level of service like I, I, I needed as a small business. And then just it kind of like expanded from there. So that's interesting that you were able to develop that kind of opportunity for yourself. I always knew that I wanted to work for myself, but I never found that thing that I would be excited about on Monday morning without there being some sort of consequence. Yeah. 
and we were talking, you were talking a little about having that freedom for your children and, you know, and that in this particular role affording you that opportunity. Can you talk a little bit about your typical day? Yeah, I, I recognize that I, I, I didn't want to be trading time for money. And in order to do that, I needed to find a way to create income for myself and passive income gives you time freedom. And so that's why I was looking to do more in real estate, sell some, sell, help some people so that I could build some capital and acquire more rentals that would be passive so that as I got a little bit older and as my children got older, I could enjoy more time with them during those years where they want to be spending time with me. So that was really some of the motivation behind why we, why we grew as quickly as we did and worked as hard as we did. But as, as some people may think that it was an overnight success, what they don't see are those really long nights or really early mornings when you're cramming in this extra job in between uh, and filling all of the gaps, all the time gaps in your life with some sort of productive activity when it might be easier to watch TV or take a nap. Um, so it was, it was just a different approach and application of my time because I knew that I didn't want to always have to report to somebody else and trade my time for money. And so that's how we got into it and, and started working through it. So when we were first building the business, um, it was really any free moment that I had was spent analyzing the market or looking for properties. I spent an obscene amount of time combing through real estate properties, doing analysis, trying to find an opportunity for my clients. And it was until the wee hours in the morning. It was, you know, anytime I had a break at work, it was getting up early to work on that kind of stuff. Um, and so it was like having two full-time jobs and just really putting in the time and effort. And there were major sacrifices by my wife. I mean, we had a brand new child at the time. It was in the era of COVID. Luckily for me, when COVID happened, I got to transition to a work from home position. And I was able to actually apply all this extra time that otherwise would have been spent in a car commuting to and from work. Or let's be honest, in corporate America, sometimes you sit in your office and you don't have stuff to do, yeah. but it's unacceptable to be doing something or it's unacceptable to look like you're not busy. Right. Um, and so the the benefit of, of being forced to work from home during COVID is now I was actually in a place where I could try to make use of every spare minute. And we did. Today, things are a little bit different, although I am a workaholic. So I do still work quite a bit, but we've, we've developed some better boundaries for ourselves because boundaries are healthy. So uh, I, live in, I live and die by my calendar, but I wake up at 5.30 in the morning every day. Um, and I do that because it gives me about an hour and a half of quiet time in the house where no one else is awake. Uh, and I use that time for me, for personal development, personal growth. Uh, we read, I go for walks uh, and uh, listen to books uh, sometimes when I'm walking. Uh, and then I get my daughter up and I get her fed. We get her ready to get out the door. Um, and then I come back to the home office uh, and uh, start my day. And my day consists of meetings. Um, I don't show a ton of property anymore. Yeah. I, I, I now have most of my team members 
doing that for me. And I, I made the conscious decision probably about three or four months ago that my role in this organization from now on was to bring as much opportunity to my team members and to try to help them be as successful as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it shifted what my daily activities look like. So, so, so yeah, but e- even before then, most of my time was spent on the phone, having conversations with people about real estate um, and, and, and helping them make offers. So today I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the office or I'm meeting with people uh, and then Sometime around 5.30 when my daughter and wife come in the door uh, after picking my daughter up from school or daycare, then I try to turn my phone off, if uh-huh. not silent, and we have you know, some family time and dinner time and then bed and bath time routine. And then sometime around 8 o'clock, I'll turn my phone on and see what all I miss. Uh, I might even make a couple of phone calls. Uh, send some more emails, do some more work. And then sometime around 9, 30, 10 o'clock, uh, I'm going to bed because I'm getting up at 5.30 in the morning. So, but uh, I, I really love what I do and I love helping be su- people be successful. I work with a lot of newer investors and uh, that actually gives me a great sense of satisfaction as they're on their journey to, to try to grow their wealth and, and change their family's financial tree. And so we work hard to try to give them as much information and help them along that in that initial investing path to help them make a good decision and, um, and help them get to where they're going. That's awesome. That's awesome. Like, yeah, I think building wealth is, is so important for you and already having that frame of reference and being able to bring that to the table and to like inspire others to, to, to do the same provides a lot more, you know, financial freedom and, you know, security. So now that you're a team leader, perhaps, you know, there's someone else considering, you know, doing that. What advice, you know, would you give to other team leaders who are looking to, you know, achieve the results that they're looking for? So there's, there's not a ton of resources out there on, on how to build a team or the, the right way to do it or what do you offer. I mean, there's plenty of people that can tell you what kind of splits they offer their team members and that sort of thing. But otherwise, I think it really boils down to trying to identify why are you even building a team in the first place? Is it just for leverage or, or is there some other meaning? And for me, it was, I think life's more fun to do with other people. I just do. I would rather have partners. I would rather have team members, people that I can pour into, uh, people that can that I can support and that can help support me. So that was part of my rationale. The first, you know, the first team member I ever brought on was really to try to leverage, because I still had a full time job and I was getting very busy and I needed somebody that could go out and open doors and meet people, and so that was initially why I first did it. But as I left my my day job and was starting to realize my dream of being self-employed and trying to work more towards true financial freedom, I had this realization that I wanted to help other people do the same thing. Not only my clients, but other real estate professionals, because it is a little disappointing how often you talk with real estate professionals that don't own their own home. And that's a big, you know, to me that uh, that's on. Uh, I, I can't comprehend it, but that also don't understand or aren't 
investing in real estate. And for me, that's shocking because I think to myself, I don't know how anyone can sell a product they're not willing to buy themselves. And, and, and I love real estate. I've seen the power of it. I could, I can share with you and I'm, I'm, you know, it's not, it hasn't made me a millionaire by any measure of the imagination, but over time when done correctly uh, and you don't have to hit a home run, it will change your life and, and, and change your family's financial tree. And so uh, we believe in it deeply because we've seen it in our own lives and, and I think, and anybody can do it. I am a college dropout. I have a high school education and a couple of years of college and all of the information required is out there and available. And there are people like myself all across the world that are more than willing to share everything that they know because an abundance mindset will get you much farther than worrying about your competition. So we've, we've just taken that approach. And so that's why I started my team. Um, it was really to initially grow. And, and now it's really so that I have some people that I could share this experience with. And really, I'd like to see them be more successful than me. And, and the port of the team is that we, we all win when we, when we work in that way. And my role anymore is to try to provide as much opportunity to them as possible and support them. And uh, hopefully, you know, in a perfect world, one day they'll go out and start their own team and I will support them hundred percent. But uh, yeah, we, we did it for that reason. And so I'm excited. I'm working on a little project that hopefully we'll be starting in uh, you know, Q4 2022, uh, a podcast dedicated to interviewing some top team real estate team leaders uh, across the United States to really learn about some of the things that they've, that they've done that have made them successful, some of the lessons that they've learned, what they do differently, and try to provide more information for folks out there that might be interested in starting a real estate team on how they could go about it and just just have some more resources for folks. Yeah, whether you have your you know own brokerage that has its own team approach or you're a team under you know an umbrella, there's a lot of the same principles. Like one of my favorite books is like the E-Myth and like talking about, you know, how to kind of leverage, you know, and scale and, and, and kind of build that. But there's a lot of similarities to that. And um, I think from at least my experience, I'd be curious your experience, like how, how do you feel like that trickles down to, to those that you serve having, having a team available to them? Well, one of the things that it does is it means that someone's always accessible, right? When, when it's just me, I've got my phone off between 5.30 and 8. And that's a personal choice, right? Because of a, of a, of a family dedication that I've made. But that means that I'm not available between 5.30 and 8. If somebody had a question or they wanted to make an offer, I'm not available to help them. When you have a team, then the client is served best because there's always someone available to help them with what they're trying to do. And it just makes it better. And then as a business person and for my team members as well, that means that they can go on vacation. Right. They can they can turn their phone off, right? And there's someone else that that will help them, that can right. help them, that will cover for them. And so it's good for us and it's good for the client. Two, you know, two heads are better than one. So you know, and so 
there's so many things in this business that you run across and you're like, I've never heard of that before. I've never seen that before. And it doesn't matter how long you've been in the business. There's always something that you come across and you're like, what in the world? And so that's where also having that collaborative environment, that team environment where people are getting into these different experiences and you're hearing these stories and you're figuring it out and you're problem solving and you're coming up with solutions and you've got a sounding board, somebody that you can bounce an idea off of and you know what would, how would this work? And so those are the other added benefits and, the, and ultimately the client benefits from that because they have multiple resources that are at work for them and it's not just one individual. Well, and, and if it was one individual, it might be one like way overextended, really tired, unbalanced individual. <laughs> Before I added my first team member, I was probably up to close to like a hundred like hours, like a week. It was just absolutely like 7 a.m. to like 7 p.m. break, you know, from seven to 10, but then again, from like 10 to one. And then again, like mm-hmm. a half day each, it was just, like it's 168 hours in a week. And I think I was working a hundred of them. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh, it's a law of diminishing returns right there. So <laughs> did you have any books in particular that inspired you to get into real estate investing or that was helpful for you in that field? So I, I would tell you that Rich Dad, Poor Dad was certainly a, a major contributor to my thought process around investing and just getting me more more excited about it. Again, I had seen the behavior of investing in real estate in in some family. And so it was a modeled behavior. So it wasn't intimidating because I had already kind of seen it done and I already had an idea, but it wasn't, but I had actually already bought my first rental by the time I listened to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But the concepts and the way that it was explained really shifted my mentality. And that's actually required reading for my team. If you join my team, you have to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if yeah. you don't want to read it, you can listen to it on audio tape. And it's an engaging story. So, yeah. so that was a big one um, as far as real estate's involved. And then, uh, you know, my, my time at my previous employer was, a, was pivotal in, in my personal development and really, you know, with, with where I am today because we focused on helping people identify their strengths. And we talked about how important it is to know what your strengths are, to play to your strengths, to leverage your strengths. There's research out there that'll show that if you practice something that you're not good at, you will get better. You will show improvement. But if you practice something you're already naturally inclined to, your your growth in that area is four times that what you would see in an area where you're weak. 400% growth in an area where you're good, Whereas you might get 100% growth in an area where you're not so really, yeah, it's fascinating information. And one of the other things about it that that we taught is that in in corporate America in the workplace, what's really important is employee engagement. Employee engagement is the is the number one contributor to all the things companies care about: customer satisfaction, profitability, uh, accidents at work, sick callouts. It all ties back to how engaged is the employee in the workplace. And one of the things that uh, Marcus's research discovered is that the number one contributing factor as to how engaged an employee is at work is the answer when you ask them a question at work, do you have a chance to use your strengths on a daily basis? If they answer yes to that question, then they are 10 times more likely to be highly engaged at work versus the person that says no. And, and it's, and it's, 
simply boils down to this. And, and I, I, uh, you know, people are at their best when they're using their strengths. Somebody that is really good at Excel spreadsheets and likes to sell spreadsheets is going to do a much better job creating that Excel spreadsheet for you than I will, because I hate Excel. I hate data. I don't like it. I'll do it. I can do it, but I don't enjoy it. So I'm going to do it, at, uh, you know, I'll do it to whatever I need to do, but I'm not going to put any extra effort versus somebody that's, that really enjoys that kind of work. They're probably going to do it much faster and much better than I am. And so I learned that while I was there. And that's what really made me finally decide to leave the job. I love real estate. I love helping people. I love talking to people. I love doing this kind of thing that we're doing right here. It really, it really gets me excited. I look forward to this kind of activity. And as I recognized my strengths, which are the, are the work activities that make you feel strong, that's the actual definition of a strength. Okay. As I identified those things, I noticed that I got more of that in my real estate business than I got from my work. And I got to do the same kinds of things in my work, but I just enjoyed it much more when it was tied to real estate. And the day that I left, I was, or the day that I gave my resignation, I, ta- I was talking to my boss and I said, I, I really, and, and I had the greatest boss, great organization, literally a dream job for probably so many people just based off of the company culture. And I, I looked at him and I said, if I really believe in everything that we've been talking about for the last two years that I've been here, I have to go do this. Yeah. And, and there was a recognition with even within my, you know, uh, from my boss and the other people on my team that that was true. That was true of me. And so, you know, the, the two major contributors to where I am today is learning about your strengths and, and, and doing the hard work to understanding what your own strengths are. And um, if you want to learn more about kind of this approach, uh, Marcus actually just released his last book, Love Plus Work. Yeah, Love Plus Work. I just finished listening to it uh, the other day. Really, really impactful, really, really insightful, um, and very challenging to the way that we should continue to lead and help the people around us identify their strengths for themselves and then help them leverage them to bring the best of themselves to work. That's awesome. Like, is it their own proprietary assessment that they utilize then for the strengths or is it the, the Gallup or our yeah, so, so Marcus used to work at Gallup. Marcus helped write the definitions for Clifton strengths and yep. Marcus created a new assessment tool, question answer assessment tool called standout 2.0 or the standout strengths. Okay. Take it for free. So anyone can take the strengths assessment for free right now. If they, if they Google Marcus Buckingham gift of standout, they should be able to find the website. I think it's marcusbuckingham.com forward slash gift of standout, but they should be able to go and take the strengths assessment themselves. The strengths assessment is going to reveal your top two strength roles, which is kind of a simplification of uh, Clifton uh, of strength finders, but it kind of distills it down into, I think it's a total of eight and then it reveals your top two. But the real work is in actually identifying your strengths, which is the activity. Your strength role will reveal to you how you show up 
at work, your natural inclination to show up and how you approach things. And it's really a more revelation of how people perceive you than how you perceive yourself. So if you think it's wrong, I challenge you to go show it to your spouse or your parents and I, uh, and ask them what they think. But between Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the mindset shift that it gave me about assets, liabilities, passive income, the cash flow quadrant that he talks about, employee, self-employed, business owner, investor, and then learning more about my own strengths and being dedicated to living a life where I am doing my strengths, living out my strengths and helping other people identify theirs and live out theirs. That's amazing. Out of curiosity, what is your top strength or top two strengths? My top two strength world, I'm an advisor stimulator. And so what that, what that means or, or, or the way that that presents itself is I love it when people ask me for my advice. I love giving advice. Uh, to my own detriment, sometimes <laughs> I give unsolicited advice to people. You know, answering people's questions when I'm overhearing their conversations in a restaurant is a great example. You know, you shouldn't necessarily do that, but it's, it's just kind of my natural inclination. And so that's how that shows up. And then my stimulator is, is really about energy. I have, I think, the ability to pick up on other people's energy. If it's low, I'll come down low and I can calm down. If it's high, I can get really high. I mean, I'm pretty excited right now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, that's, that's how I show up. And, and, and those two things, just re- those reveal how I show up to other people and how I approach a situation by nature, naturally, that's just who I am and how I approach life. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be good at one thing or good at another. Being an advisor stimulator doesn't necessarily make me a great salesman because I thrive on giving people good advice. If it's a bad product, I can't sell it to you. I won't sell it to you. I have a moral conflict with it. And so your roles don't define the jobs that you can do, but they will show how you show up to other people and your natural instincts and situations. So it's a lot of fun, but you know, if I was to tell you a strength of mine, I love to collaborate with other people. I love presenting information to a crowd of people and more specifically to decision makers. That is a specific strength of mine. I love getting up in front of a crowd of people and presenting that probably terrifies a bunch of people, maybe even people that are listening to this, but I love it. I thrive on it. I get excited about it. That's a strength of mine. Um, And it doesn't matter what the subject matter is. As long as I've got talking points and I know what I'm talking about, I'll love doing it. And so, you know, all of that really, really taught me a lot about myself and self-discovery is, is really, really important, I think for folks. And so we've, we've learned that over the last few years and, and we want to continue to, to thrive in that. And I try to introduce strengths to everyone that comes to join my team or, or when I get the opportunity to talk to folks like yourself, um, because I think we would all be much happier if we were bringing the best of ourselves to work every day and feeling like we're making a contribution. And the only way that we can do that is if we know what our strengths are. Uh, if we can communicate that to our team leaders or our, you know, whoever and, and collaborate with them to try to get an opportunity to, to do that, to bring the best of ourselves to work and in our work.
Wow. Well, let me tell you what, we're not videotaped, but I have a whole like page of notes here. I have some action items for myself. I- I'd be curious to ask that question to my team. You know, do you feel like you're you're having the opportunity to use your strengths at work? That's a big thing that I, I took from this. And, you know, looking into that stand up 2.0 and just, I think just so much of the information that you shared. It is awesome. And so if some people want some unsolicited advice from you, <laughs> how can they find you? Yeah, uh, so I'm all over the interwebs. Probably one of the easiest ways to find me is on Instagram, uh, real underscore Tyler Gibson. If you find me there in my bio is my link tree link. And from there, you can get out to my website, my personal Facebook page, all the different places. I love to connect with folks, so please come over and connect with me. And while I don't talk about strengths a ton on my personal channels because I don't really work there and I don't sell their products, I do believe in it very, very strongly and uh, would love to talk to folks about real estate or strengths or investing or or really anything. Yeah. Although I thought that was really interesting. And then also what I took from this as well is to bring it back full circle to real estate. And what I like to remind everybody that anybody, anybody can cross the bridge to investor class. It's not just like this super elite. And so I think some people can be intimidated, but you can always find a way to to get there or create a plan to get there. Maybe it's not tomorrow, but I think it's wonderful that there's people like you around that have been down that journey and help advise other folks in that journey because everyone here knows I don't do residential. I only do commercial and I think you'd be a great resource for them. Yeah. Well, one of the things that that I like to say is anyone can become a real estate investor and it could start by simply buying a home. Just buy a house to live in because when you buy a house to live in, you now have options. You now have choices. You know, over time, you may outgrow that home and you may need to sell it and move into a larger home for your family, right? But that's one option. Maybe you have done really well and you can afford to keep it and go buy a new one and you turn it into a rental for the first time. Or maybe you decide to do a home equity, you know, you do a cash out refi, you take the money and now you've got capital, you can go buy a rental property. And, and so you have options, but it starts by getting involved. And if you happen to be a young person, Go buy a house and rent out the other rooms. You are instantly a real estate investor. Or go buy a duplex, live in half and rent out the other half. It's called house hacking. And if I could go back and tell my 18-year-old self, that's what I would have told myself. Buy real estate early and often. Live there. Rent out rooms. Have somebody else pay your mortgage. And then you know when you've saved up enough money, go buy another place and turn that into a whole nother rental and just keep the cycle going. Until you're married. Uh, and you have and you have kids, then it may not make sense to do that anymore. But uh, do it for as long as you can. Oh, I love this. Oh my god, that is such a great idea, though. I think you know, even too, what if someone's going away to college? The parent even considers doing that and allowing them to to do that. I think that's that's a great idea. You're just a wealth of information. So that's real R E A L underscore Tyler Gibson and that's on the Instagram and then has your link tree with all of your stuff. Yep. All right. Link tree right there in the bio and they can find me everywhere. 
All right. Well, thank you to everyone for tuning in today. And this is Amy Calandrino signing off and can't wait to have you tune into the next podcast. Bye.